All right. Three, two, one. Oh, my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Wednesday, October 24th. And uh, it's been a good day. It's been a busy day. Um, I have two tests tomorrow. That's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, Friday, I have a giant pay-per-view. But nonetheless, school is going well. Life is going well. And uh, I'm excited for the show today. It's a really good one. It's one uh, short, quick, to the point, no wasted time. And uh, I want to start with I want to start with the Raiders because the Raiders are kind of a lot of people in Oakland are losing faith in the Raiders. First of all, of course, you know they're moving away. Um, but I want to you know a breakdown. They're one in five right now, and I want to kind of dive into that. But first, I think there are two things you should know. So I think. There are two things you should know about me before we get into this topic. One of them is that I'm in college, and the second one is that I work in television. Um, I, Depending on the day, I operate a camera, or I work as a camera's assistant running their cable so they can run around all of our stadiums and basketball courts, yada, yada. And uh, I, I don't like school. And it's interesting. For my line of work, for my career, I don't need a degree. Whether I'm broadcasting or I'm working behind the scenes in production, frankly, working in production does not need a degree. It's kind of like construction. It's, it's pointless. And, and many people, especially my bosses that I work with, the directors, the, my camera operators, if I'm a camera's assistant, a lot of people ask me, why are you in school? <laughs> why don't you just drop out? I mean, it's clear you hate school. I don't, I don't like college. And people don't understand why would I be in school if my career path does not require that I be in college? You know, I would answer this way. I have a plan. I have a plan that works for me. Um, college is great for me. People don't understand. I have this giant room I can record stuff in. I have very little decision-making to do. Like I, my, my food's often for me. I have a laundry room for, laundromat here. I have great internet. I have cable. I have a pretty good life here. And so for the rest of the time I'm working on my degree, it's a great place to make videos and build strong opinion sports. Because that's what I want to do. I have a plan. I have a vision. I want to start my own company, hire my friends, and do strong opinion sports as my full-time job. And, and man, it's a struggle. Not like I, it's easy for me. I, I'll sit in English class and go, I hate this. I don't want to be here. And I shouldn't say the word hate. It gets you in trouble. But I'll sit in English class and be like, why am I here? What am I doing? And most people, the point is this, most people don't see my plan. They don't understand. People ask me, Zach, why don't you just drop out? Right now, the Oakland Raiders are in a similar situation. The Raiders are one and five. They traded away Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. They traded Amari Cooper to the Dallas Cowboys. There's news that maybe they're going to get rid of their quarterback, Derek Carr. I mean, right now, I have no idea what they're doing in Oakland. I don't understand what John Gruden's plan is. But here's what I do know. There are four things I know for certain with the Raiders. One of them is this. John Gruden is not stupid. Say whatever you want. He won a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. John Gruden's not a dumb guy. He knows football. He understands football. He knows what he's doing. You Say whatever you want. They're one in five. I know it looks ugly. But John Gruden's not a dumb guy. Number two, John Gruden has a 10-year contract. He has 10 years. <laughs> There's no hurry for him right now. He can do whatever he wants. Number three is this. People often lack vision. Many people often lack the foresight to see and to understand someone else's plan. Happens to me all the time. People say, Zach, why don't you drop out of college? Because I have a lot of reasons. I have a plan. 
If I ever want to leave production, I can go get a job in an office. So the third thing is this. Remember, people often do not have the foresight or the vision to see down the road into the future. The fourth thing is this. In 2018, no matter what happened to the Raiders, they were not going to win a Super Bowl. Sorry, but the Raiders were never going to be a Super Bowl contender this year in 2018. So here's the thing. Probably John Gruden has a plan. We don't know what it is. I mean, is he, is John Gruden ruining the Raiders? I don't know. I don't think so, but it does certainly look like it. You trade away Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, you're one and five. How do you trust John Gruden right now? I don't know. But is it possible that John Gruden is simply rebuilding the Raiders? Maybe he does have a plan. And maybe he's not ruining the Raiders. He's just tearing them down to build them back up again. Because John Gruden inherited a good team. A good, solid team. But John Gruden did not inherit a great team. John Gruden did not inherit a great team that's equipped to win Super Bowls right away. Basically, John Gruden got a good house. And he said, instead of building onto the house, instead of adding three rooms and two bathrooms and a pool outside, I'm just going to tear down the entire house and rebuild. And when he demolished the house, he made a huge mess. The Raiders are one and five. I don't understand. He totally hit the reset button. But John Gruden has 10 years and the Raiders cannot buy him out. He has them where he wants them. John Gruden can do whatever he wants. So, so my job working for television networks, it's a good job. I worked for ESPN's College Game Day the other day. I work on the sidelines of all kinds of games. I have a, it's pretty cool, man. I get to go do and see some really cool stuff. It's a good job. A job I like. But you know what I like more than a good job? A great job. You know what a great job is to me? A great job is living in Bozeman, Montana, building my own company, having strong opinion sports, making that my full-time job. And getting to hire my friends as producers and co-hosts, yada, yada. That sounds fun to me. That's my dream job. Why settle for good when you can have great? John Gruden inherited a good team. But he can have better. He wants to build a Super Bowl team. He does not want to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Look at the Bengals right now. They're stuck with Andy Dalton. They can't move off of him. And like every year, the Bengals are consistently mediocre. They're the most consistently mediocre team in the NFL. 9-7, and 7-9, seven, seven and nine, regularly barely make the playoffs with a wild card spot. They're out in the first round. What the Bengals need to do is tear it down and rebuild. Get rid of Andy Dalton. But they can't afford to. They don't have that much time. If Marvin Lewis tears everything down, gets rid of Andy Dalton, he gets fired. Because he doesn't have a 10-year contract. John Gruden does. With a 10-year contract, he can do whatever he wants. He can do it his way. Honestly, I think every coach wishes they could have what John Gruden has because he has job security, which means he can take chances. He can take risks. He can afford to tear down an entire roster and rebuild it the right way, the way he would like to do. In two, the next two years, John Gruden and the Raiders have five first-round picks. And it could very possibly be more if they trade away Derek Carr. I think the Raiders, maybe their plan is this. Maybe their plan is we're going to trade away Derek Carr, draft a quarterback upcoming, maybe Tua Tungvaluwa or Justin Herbert. We're going to draft a quarterback who has a small rookie contract. 
It's going to be cheap, and we'll win a Super Bowl the way that the Seahawks did, the way the Eagles did last year with Carson Wentz, small contract, and the way the Rams are trying to do right now with Jared Goff's rookie deal. You can get a quarterback cheap and build a great roster around them. Maybe that's John Gruden's plan. I don't know what John Gruden's plan is. I don't know. But I know he's not stupid. There are a lot of doubters, and I don't understand. I don't understand why everyone... We're so quick to bail on him. It's very clear to me. At, when he traded away Amari Cooper, that told me, oh, okay, the Raiders are just rebuilding. They're not even trying to win right now. Maybe that's audacious. Maybe you don't like that, but he has a 10-year contract. He can do it however he wants. I mean, he came out of retirement. He had a great job, a dream job for a lot of people. John Gruden left Monday Night Football, a job he could have done for the rest of his life. Could have cashed in checks, been around football, He decided to leave that great gig for coaching. He did not do it because he thought he was going to fail. And he didn't do it to make a wild card spot and get booted in the first round every year. He wants to build a Super Bowl winning team. He's not trying to build the Bengals. He's not trying to be a mediocre team. John Gruden wants great. He's not settling for good. That is what John Gruden is doing, I think. That's my analysis, my opinion. I think John Gruden is trying to build a Super Bowl team. Instead of building onto what they had, he tore it all down, he's rebuilding, and he's trying to do something special with the soon-to-be Vegas Raiders. I don't know. If you're a Raiders fan, have some faith, have some patience. You got 10 years to go. You got nine years after this to go. Sorry he's not winning a bunch in year one. Clearly, I don't think he's even trying to. John Gruden is rebuilding the Raiders roster. All right, we have a great show today. A lot of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, We're going to do Zach is a Genius. We're going to do the Deadly Dozen, talk about the 12 playoff teams. We're going to talk about the LA Lakers, the World Series, a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Um, But I do want to start with this. uh, I'm I'm wrong sometimes, and I'm okay with that. I'm willing to take my lumps. That's part of doing this show is that you say a bunch of stuff, and sometimes you're wrong. And I want to do something I've never, ever done before, and that is talk to people who comment mean stuff. Because I I don't do that very often. I've gotten a lot of stuff. I've gotten death threats before. Didn't take it seriously. But I I do want to address something. I made a video recently that uh, it's the most hated video I've ever made. It's it's I love it. It's called uh, Dwayne Haskins is still the Heisman favorite. It's got one like and like 40-something dislikes, a bunch of comments, tons of nasty comments, lots of angry people. And again, I, I don't, I'm not mad about it. I, don't, I understand. You know, I say about 40 different things a week. I put out a bunch of videos. One of them is bound to make somebody angry, and one of them is bound to be wrong. And so when I say something that gets this much hate and this much anger, this much vitriol, and this many comments telling me I'm wrong, I do listen. I do listen to that. I go, hmm, if this many people are telling me I'm wrong, is it possible I'm wrong? Because it's, it's very likely. I say a lot of stuff. It's likely I get things wrong. But I do want to clarify a few things. Before we get into that, I want to clarify something. (sighs) Tua Tungavaloa is an interesting, interesting football player. He reminds me a lot of Cam Newton or Russell Westbrook with Oklahoma City Thunder. He's kind of untouchable. You can't say anything critical of him. You can't use your brain and use critical thinking. Unless I say that Tua is the next best quarterback ever in college football. He's going to win the Heisman. Unless I say he's the best quarterback ever, I get hate and anger because all people want to hear is Tua is the best. And if you don't say he's the best, 
if you say second best or maybe not the, the greatest, that makes people angry. But I do want to revisit in something and clarify. People are acting like I don't like Tua, and people are acting like I think Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Tua. I've never said either of those things. That's simply not true. I, first of all, I'm a big fan of Tua. But I have said consistently, I, I, I encourage you to go back and look at my old videos. Tua is a future number one pick. He's a great quarterback. He's far better than Dwayne Haskins as an NFL prospect. I don't know. I, uh, I can admit, maybe what I said was stupid. Maybe what I said was wrong. I say a lot of stupid stuff. Uh, but people are saying I don't like Tua. Not true. People are saying I thought Dwayne Haskins is better than Tua. Not true. I want to dive into what I did say. And, and what's really true, what's happening right now. Tua Tungavaloa has 25 touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he does not play in the second half. A lot of that's because he blows teams out. And I think that's because he's really talented. He dominates other teams, has a great roster around him. You can't forget that. But he's incredibly talented. I mean, he wrecks everybody he plays. And I would encourage people to, to really, really look closely. Again, I've said Tua is a future number one pick. And I agree, he's better than Dwayne Haskins. He throws the ball better, throws the ball into tighter windows. He's kind of like Houdini, too, is very incredibly mobile. Again, people are acting like I hate Tua Tungavaloa. I don't. But I encourage you to look at the way the Heisman is selected. It's something people vote on. A bunch of different people all come together, have their interesting, like their own independent opinion, and they vote on the Heisman Trophy winner. And what I do is I look back at how the Heisman has been selected recently in the past. We saw guys like Lamar Jackson and Johnny Manziel win the Heisman. And they were not undefeated. They did not blow teams out. And they did not have a chance to win the national championship. And yet they still won the Heisman anyways. And you look at Baker Mayfield last year. Baker Mayfield won the Heisman. Had a slip up. They lost to unranked Ohio, uh, Iowa State. But at the end of the year, Baker Mayfield had the better stats. And if you look at Dwayne Haskins' stats, talk about plays in the first half, second half, I don't care. The point is, this, if you look at sheer numbers, has more touchdowns, has more yards. That, that's a fact about Dwayne Haskins. May, might be by a little bit, but he does have more yards and more, more touchdowns. You might not like that. You can explain away why. You can say, well, yeah, of course. Tua Tungavaloa plays in the first half of games, he never plays in the fourth quarter because they're winning by like 50 points every game. And you would be right. But my question was maybe, do you think it's possible that people voting for the Heisman Trophy could not value that the same way? Is it possible that they look at that as a weakness instead of a strength? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But it is possible people say, yeah, Tua's team is incredibly good around him, had a bunch of help, and they undervalue him. I'm not saying that's fair, but life isn't fair. So I don't know how Heisman voters are going to value the fact that he doesn't play in the second half, that he blows everybody out. Maybe they will knock him because he has a great team. I don't know. Yeah, Tua Tungvaloa deserves the Heisman Trophy. I'm not saying that. He's incredibly talented, far better than Dwayne Haskins. But the wild card here is how do people judge him? How do people judge how good his team is? How do people judge the fact that Dwayne Haskins does have better stats and more yards, more touchdowns? I might be saying a bunch of dumb stuff. I don't know. Uh, you, you're watching. You might be super angry. Hey, that's fine. I'm, I'm with that. I understand that. And I'm okay admitting if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 
But uh, at the end of the day, I, I think it's interesting. Is it possible that Tua gets robbed and Dwayne Haskins wins? I don't know. But I don't mind anyone disagreeing with me. Here's what I do want to say. There were two comments that really bothered me in the last video I made. One of them was saying that, you know, Tua Tungavaloa's Heisman moment was last year in the national championship game when he beat Clemson. Oh, sorry, excuse me, Georgia. <laughs> Whew, when he beat Georgia in the national championship. A lot of people said that. They said, well, Tua's moment was in that game. You understand that was last year. That was not this year. That was last year. His Heisman moment from this year can't be last year. And that does matter. That's a rhetoric people often say. What was his Heisman moment? I don't know how you have a Heisman moment. Maybe his Heisman moment is he's going to beat LSU 55 to nothing. I don't know. Another thing is this. Some guys said that I thought Dwayne Haskins was better than Tua. Never have ever said that. I've repeatedly said in this video, do not believe that. That is not my opinion at all. So let me be very clear. Again, Tua is a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins. But feel free to keep me in check. I say a lot of dumb stuff. If you don't like what I say, understandably. I say a lot of stuff. Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm willing to even admit when I'm wrong. And I got a lot of pushback. It's very possible. I sounded like an idiot. A lot of people felt that way. They let me know. And that's fine. But please do not put words in my mouth that I don't say. I've always said that Tua is better than Dwayne Haskins. He might have fewer touchdowns. He might have fewer yards. But Tua Tungvaluwa is a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins. Is that what you wanted me to say? I don't know that Tua is objectively going to win the Heisman because I don't know how other people are going to vote. I don't know. Maybe they value, I would think maybe they value the fact that Dwayne Haskins has played in more close games. I could be asinine. I could be totally wrong. We'll find out. Yeah, does Tua deserve the Heisman? Yeah, he does. He's the best quarterback in college football. Doesn't mean he's going to win, though, because Johnny Manziel wasn't the best quarterback in college football, and Lamar Jackson was not the best quarterback in college football. Both of them won the Heisman Trophy. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Does Tua deserve it? Yes, he does. Does that mean he's going to win? No, it does not. Speaking of me being wrong, saying dumb stuff, I do often say dumb things. This is a segment called Zach is a Genius. It's complete sarcasm. I'm obviously not a genius. I get things wrong all the time. Um, I, I, sometimes I swing and I hit a home run. Sometimes I swing and I completely miss. So we're going to talk about my hits when I nail it and my misses. Imagine me with a wiffle ball bat swinging out a little wiffle ball. Because I do say stupid things from time to time. I want to start with a miss. One of the biggest misses I've had this year is Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, when the Carolina Panthers hired Norv Turner to be their offensive coordinator, I was highly skeptical. I said, I don't know if that's going to work. You're going to try to change Cam Newton in his eighth year in the NFL? It seems like he has. He has changed. He's evolved. He's got his best completion percentage he's ever had, 65.6 percentage. That matters. It's a total miss for me. The Panthers are 4-2. and two. I think they're going to make the playoffs. And a large part of that is because of Cam Newton and his incredibly good play on the field. Let's talk about a hit. I, ha- I hit a home run with the New England Patriots. Before the season started, there was a bunch of noise. You know, the Patriots don't have any wide receivers. They're a mess. Nobody wants to play for them. La, 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 la. All of it was wrong. And I was the one consistent person that said, the Patriots will be fine. I was right. I told you. I told you guys. They get better week by week every year in the NFL. The fact that they don't have a great defense doesn't matter. They have Tom Brady. They score a bunch of points. Oh, and by the way, they just added Josh Gordon, 
who's a now an outside threat for the Patriots. He's really good. They're developing, getting better. Um, I saw a headline today. It made me laugh. It said that the AFC East goes through Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I sent it to my dad, and we just laughed about it. It's like, oh, really? Where did you ever come up with that? Oh, you're telling me that maybe if you want to make the playoffs in the AFC East, you have to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Huh, I never thought of that. Yes, of course. I don't know how, I don't know how anyone doesn't believe that. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach ever. I consistently said the Patriots will be fine. I hit that one out of the park. I nailed that one. Here's what I missed on. I missed on Washington State versus Oregon. I picked Oregon to win the game, and uh, Washington won. They were up 27-0 at halftime. It was a pretty convincing win. And, uh, you know, I think I did have a, to- a really good beat on this game. I thought I, I understand the circumstance really well. Because here's the thing. ESPN's college game day came into town. It was a big game. Our town, Pullman, Washington, was packed. And um, I-, I predicted that the hype around the game was going to hurt Washington State. And Oregon State was going to be even killed and win the game. And I think the opposite happened. In the first half, Washington State led 27 to nothing. I think the emotion, that moment of the game, actually elevated them rather than hurt them. They did not have miscues. They played better with more passion. Justin Herbert looked kind of out of it. Oregon looked a little bit lackadaisical. I was wrong, but there's a reason why I was wrong. I think I read that situation wrong. But I did read the situation, I think, accurately, which was it was a big game, an emotional moment for Washington State. They just rose up rather than wilting in the big moment. Happy for them. That's really cool. Here's something I nailed. I nailed it with Chad Kelly, the Denver Broncos backup quarterback. So uh, Case Keenum has been struggling. He's not had a great year. A lot of interceptions, some touchdowns, but they're not winning a bunch. And uh, Broncos fans have called for the backup quarterback, Chad Kelly. They boo Case Keenum every time he walks out. We want Chad Kelly! Um, well, (laughs) the other day, Chad Kelly was arrested and then, uh, the Broncos released him today. So Chad Kelly is no more. It's sad. Um, it's his fault. He got drunk. He got arrested for trespassing, but it's too bad. If you're a quarterback, you got to make good decisions. Chad Kelly did not. And, uh, any Broncos fans that are now calling for Chad Kelly to play. Sorry, Kevin Hogan's now your backup. And trust me, you do not want Kevin Hogan replacing Case Keenum. How about something I missed? What did I completely miss on? I really missed on Josh Allen. And it really depends on how you look at it. Because what I said was, I'm afraid of Josh Allen playing because I don't, I don't think it'll be good for him. And I, don't, I think he'll get hurt. And I don't think the, the Bills will win a lot with Josh Allen. I was half correct, I guess, is that Josh Allen did play. He did get hurt. But I was really wrong about one thing. The Bills absolutely need their rookie quarterback, Josh Allen. I was concerned about him playing. I said, maybe he'll become the next Paxton Lynch. He doesn't have a veteran quarterback around him. All of that was a complete miss. No way. Because the Bills signed Derek Anderson, a veteran quarterback. He came in at four uh, turnovers last week. They have Nathan Peterman, the other quarterback. He's absolute garbage. He's not even useful to the franchise. Right now, the Bills need to play Josh Allen. Without him, they lost 37-5 to on Sunday to the Colts. I was just flat. I flat missed this one. The Bills need Josh Allen. If they want to be any sort of competitive, he needs to be on the field. What did I nail? I nailed the New York Giants. I saw this coming a mile away. I told everybody. Drafting Saquon Barkley is a mistake. 
And right now the Giants are 1-6. They just lost to the Falcons. I don't want to go with too in-depth of this. It's just kind of sad. I feel bad for Giants fans. Uh, I nailed it, right? I mean, <laughs> the Giants aren't any good. They're 1-6. They're probably going to be 1-7. It just gets worse and worse. Quarterback play isn't any good. The offensive line isn't any good. It's just an unfortunate situation for the people of New York and uh, one that I happened to nail. <laughs> what did I miss on? I went back and looked at my old videos. There's a video titled, Ryan, Pat- Fit- Ryan Fitzpatrick is here to stay. No, that was that was a complete miss. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick lasted all of three and a half games. And Jameis Winston came in the other day and looked pretty good. He had a, he finished had a good drive at the end against the Browns. He looked solid, and so the Fitz magic thing it was brief. It flashed in the pan and it was gone, and uh, we will not remember it for a long time because Jameis Winston actually looks pretty solid. He looks like a franchise quarterback the way he's playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I missed that one. What did I nail? Got a bunch of these. I got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I nailed Blake Bortles. We got five each. I've been saying forever that the Jaguars need to move on from Blake Bortles. I gave up, said I'm done. And uh, on Sunday, (laughs) after having two fumbles, the Jaguars benched Blake Bortles for Cody Kessler. Now, apparently, uh, Blake Bortles will be starting again on Sunday. But regardless, this does not happen to a solid starting franchise quarterback in the NFL. Blake Bortles is not a franchise quarterback. Sorry, you don't like it, but it's true. It's honest. He got benched. You never see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. Even Andy Dalton wouldn't get benched in the middle of a game. Blake Bortles is a notch below. He's in the bottom tier of NFL quarterbacks that are starting. And I would move on from Blake Bortles as soon as I can. I nailed it. Told you so. You should move on from Blake Bortles if you are the Jacksonville Jaguars. One more each. I missed on Aaron Donald. I really missed on the Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald. When they Rams signed him, they signed him a giant contract. He broke records. Uh, And I said, I wouldn't pay him that much. Well, let me tell you what. He's leading the NFL in sacks. He's tied with Daniil Hunter with eight sacks in the NFL after just seven games. The Rams are 7-0. Aaron Donald has eight sacks. Probably going to finish with, I don't know how many he's going to finish with, but it's, it's a lot. And so I admit... I missed that one. Apparently, Aaron Donald, Rams are 7-0. and They're winning a bunch. He's contributing. If they win a Super Bowl, it's going to be in part because of the pressure that Aaron Donald is bringing. Guys like Samson and Ibukam are coming off the edge. Aaron Donald is cleaning up the mess when quarterbacks try to step up. He's a big factor on that defense. He's getting a lot of pressure, and uh, it's pretty meaningful for the L.A. Rams. I missed on that one. He's worth the money at least this far into the year. Last thing that I nailed. I said a while ago, do not panic about Deshaun Watson, the Texans quarterback. Texans started 0-3. People began to panic in Houston. Since then, the Texans are 4-0. They're 4-3 on the season. Again, a four-game winning streak. Deshaun Watson has 10 touchdowns and 7 interceptions on the year. Also ran for a touchdown. Got a 63% completion percentage. Deshaun Watson's fine. Relax, everybody. The Houston Texans are okay, and Deshaun Watson clearly can play. All right, that's been Zach is a genius. Remember, I build arguments every single episode. And I try to admit when I'm wrong. I do get things wrong often. And I'm okay with being wrong. My goal is to be interesting. If you're going to listen to a five-minute segment on my show, I hope it doesn't waste your time. I just don't want to be boring. And part of that comes with the territory is you're going to be wrong. That's why I do the segment Zach is a genius. So I can admit when I'm wrong. I can admit the things I miss. And we can have a laugh about it, address it, and move on. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Zach is a genius. Let's move on to the next topic. <sighs> I gotta take a deep breath. I gotta remember to slow down. I don't know why I do this. I got a comment the other day. Oh, you talk so fast. And I try not to listen to YouTube comments. That one hits home. I know I do talk fast. It's who I am. I don't know. I do my best. But I think we should talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Blake Bortles, the Jaguars quarterback, he isn't cutting it. He's got nine touchdowns, eight interceptions, two fumbles, ten turnovers on the year. Uh, it's, it's not good. It's not, I mean, he does have a 60% completion percentage, better than 55, but I don't know. So I look at this and I think, who should the Jacksonville Jaguars trade for? What quarterback should the Jaguars go for and acquire? And I think there are, I think there are four. Four, maybe five. I'm going to throw a fifth one in there. It's not really real. It's just a, a thought. Um, but here's the thing. The Jaguars have such a good roster. Great players on defense. Really solid offensive line. They, can, they are very capable of winning games. They're just limited by their quarterback. And it's so frustrating to watch the Jaguars week in and week out underachieve because of Blake Bortles. I think if the Jaguars trade for Tyrod Taylor, the Browns' backup quarterback, they're a little bit better. And they would be stable. He'd not be great. He's going to miss stuff. He's going to have bad plays. He's not going to hit a lot of home runs. But he's not going to have the turnovers of Blake Bortles. He's going to play incredibly safe. And you can make... I mean, he took the Bills to the playoffs last year. Tyrod Taylor could take the Jacksonville Jaguars to the playoffs and maybe win a Super Bowl. He's a Rex Grossman, a guy who we've seen Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl. If Trent Dilfer can win a Super Bowl... So can Tyrod Taylor with the Jacksonville Jaguars. How about Jacoby Brissett, though? The Colts' backup quarterback. Jacoby Brissett was a longtime Tom Brady backup. Now he works with the Colts and Andrew Luck. He can play. He played pretty solid last year when the Colts needed him. And uh, I would consider trading a second, third-round pick to go get the Colts' backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Eli Manning's a solid option. Eli Manning is the Giants quarterback. Um, I said initially that it was a bad idea. Well, I watched the Jaguars and the Texans on Sunday. And the, the Jaguars' offensive line is creating time in the pocket. And Eli Manning, a guy like that, could actually work in that system. He's, he would have time to win and do well. And so if I were the Jaguars, I would push to trade for Eli Manning, get a year out of him, make a playoff run, because you have such a good team. And going 8-8 eight and eight would be such a waste for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the last serious option for the Jaguars is Derek Carr, actually. Apparently, he's kind of... There's a lot of rumors out of Oakland that he's on the trading block. He has a huge contract. Maybe the Raiders don't want to pay. And he's been struggling. He looks a little bit gun-shy in the pocket. He's afraid to take hits. And John Gruden and Derek Carr do not appear to be gelling. If I was the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would trade... I would trade even a first-round pick to get Derek Carr because... I do think he'd be the quarterback of the future for the Jaguars, and he's a better quarterback. That first-round pick the Jaguars could trade for Derek Carr. You're not going to get a better quarterback with that first-round pick. I'm sorry, Drew Locke's going to be gone. If you can acquire Derek Carr with a first-round pick, do that move as soon as you can if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars because Derek Carr is a step up from Blake Bortles. He may not be perfect, but if, if, he's, if he's even Andy Dalton level, that's a Super Bowl berth for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If I'm the Jaguars, my number one priority right now is how can I trade for Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback? 
There's one other option I think is quite interesting is that it's Russell Wilson. This is not a serious option, but it is worth considering. There's been a lot of turmoil and a lot of rumors coming out of Seattle that maybe they want to move on from Russell Wilson. If you offered a good enough package to the Seattle Seahawks, is it possible they'd trade away, trade away Russell Wilson? I don't know. I don't see a, a way in hell you trade away a future Hall of Fame quarterback. But the rhetoric out of Seattle, a lot of people are frustrated with Russell Wilson. If you can make that happen, yes, of course. That's a, a no-brainer. I'd give away the farm to get Russell Wilson. He could win a Super Bowl with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So those are the five quarterbacks, four of them serious. Russell Wilson's not a very serious option. Four quarterbacks I think the Jaguars should make a move to trade for. Derek Carr, that's the big one. Trade away a first-round pick. I think the Raiders are trying to rebuild. And if they can, if the Raiders could get a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick, it's worth it for the Jaguars, and the Raiders are trying to rebuild. It's worth it for them as well. I would get rid of a first-round pick to go get Derek Carr if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to do the Deadly Dozen, talk about the 12 playoff teams in the NFL. We're going to talk about the World Series. We're going to talk about why defense does not matter in the NFL. We'll talk about the Browns panicking. We'll talk about uh, Lakers fans who are panicking. At the end of the show, we're going to talk about the Dolphins and Texans who play tomorrow on Thursday Night Football. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and you can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, I hope I made the right decision by talking about the Dwayne Haskins and Tua Tungvaloa thing. I really, I try to be, have a lot of humility and admit when I'm wrong. And so that was my attempt uh, with that segment. Maybe it was a big mistake. We'll find out when I put it out. Uh, but, you know, I'm a dumb kid learning a lot of lessons as I go and learning how to work in this business as I go because I've never done this. I've never um, operated my own podcast before. So good learning lesson. We'll figure out what happens there. I want to now jump into the Deadly Dozen. So this is the Deadly Dozen. It's what I do. There are 12 playoff teams every year. And instead of doing a power ranking, because I don't like that sometimes you'll have a team in your power ranking that doesn't make the playoffs in the end, I try to predict the playoffs every single week. And so these are my 12 playoff teams. I want to start in the AFC. First team I have winning the AFC West is the Kansas City Chiefs. It's quite obvious. Look, they're fantastic. Patrick Mahomes, bunch of weapons. Kareem Hunt is arguably the best running back in the league. The Chiefs are fantastic. We don't need to talk about it much more. I think they're the number one seed in the AFC. Winning the AFC East, I have the New England Patriots. They're 5-2. and two. They're fantastic. We don't Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, the defense is improving, and they got Josh Gordon paired with Julian Edelman. Oh, and by the way, they have the best tight end in the NFL, arguably with Rob Gronkowski. The Patriots are fine. They're not just fine. They could go 13-3, and 12-4, and four, and be even. They could challenge the Chiefs for the number one playoff spot in the AFC. Third, I have the Steelers winning the AFC North. This was a tough decision. You have the Bengals playing really well. The Ravens are pretty good right now. The Browns are no slouch. They, they're 2-4-1, but the Browns are not terrible. Right now, the Steelers are 3-2-1. They're going to get Le'Veon Bell back. I'm picking the Steelers. I'm going with consistency. Year in and year out, the Steelers often deliver in these moments. They dominate the Bengals. They're better than the Ravens. I'm picking the Steelers to win the AFC North. In the AFC South, I'm picking the Texans. They had a rough start. They started 0-3. Since then, they're four, they have four wins in a row. They are 4-3, and three, 
And you look around their league. Do you trust the Colts, who are awful right now? Do you trust the Titans with Marcus Mariota? Do you trust the Jaguars with Blake Bortles at quarterback? No, you don't. I'm picking the Texans to win their division, partly because of quarterback, partly because their roster is really talented, and that's the team I trust down the stretch in November and December. Plus, they play indoors. It can't hurt. Not a lot of cold weather. In the wild card, I'm picking the Chargers. First of all, I love the Chargers. Their offensive line is what's really encouraging to me. Phillip Rivers has a lot of time to throw. That's one of the four things you need to win. They need a head coach. They need a quarterback, an offensive line, and a defense. All four of those look pretty good for the San Diego, for the, huh? the LA, the LA Chargers. And I think the Chargers are indeed a playoff team. My final wild card spot is going to the Ravens. The Ravens are four and three. They're just a sound football team. You know, it came down to the Jaguars, the Bengals, or the Ravens. I'm going to go with Joe Flacco and the Ravens every single time. I don't trust Blake Bortles, and I do not trust Andy Dalton. The Ravens are playing good football, solid defense. They're, they're just a, they're a boring but a really effective football team. The Ravens are better than people think. They challenged the Saints last week, and um, I'm picking the Ravens to make the playoffs in the wild card. My only question with the AFC is I wonder if the Browns, who are, the Browns are 2-4-1, but they're playing a lot better than their record. And I wonder if the Browns can kind of rise up from the ashes and challenge for a playoff spot. I don't know if the Browns are going to make the playoffs, but I'm curious if they're in the mix later in the year around week 15, 16. Are they right on the cusp? Because they could be a bubble playoff team. Pay attention to the Browns and the Bengals as well. I think the Bengals are going to peter off. I don't trust Andy Dalton, but watch the Browns or the Bengals. The Bengals are not terrible. Now, in the NFC, the six teams I'm choosing start with this. I want to start with the Rams. It's obvious. The Rams are 7-0. They're the best team in football. Uh, the Rams are going to win the, AFC, uh, the NFC West quite easily. And uh, it's no shock I'm picking the Rams to be the first place seed in the NFC. I'm also picking the Saints to win the, uh, make the playoffs. They're going to win the NFC South. They're 5-1. Uh, I think they're better than the Panthers. They're better than the Falcons who are struggling. They beat the Giants, but the Giants... Uh, the, the Falcons are pretty banged up, and the Saints have a great schedule ahead. All their tough games are either indoors. Well, yeah, they're indoors because they're at home or they're on the road indoors. I'm picking this. Like, they're tough. The tough away game in December for the Saints, they have to go all the way to freezing, guess what? Tampa Bay, Florida. Like, the Saints have an incredible schedule down the road, and uh, I'm picking the Saints to win their division. Picking the Vikings to make the playoffs and win the NFC, the NFC North. They're 4-2-1. They're a more complete team than the, Vi- the Packers. I think they're better than the, uh, the Bears. And I'm picking the Vikings to win the NFC North. The Eagles is where it gets really interesting. I'm picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East. They're 3-4. and four. Uh, They just blew a big lead last week in the fourth quarter to the Carolina Panthers. But regardless, I just don't trust the Redskins. That's my problem with the NFC East. I don't trust Alex Smith. I don't trust Adrian Peterson. Happy to be wrong about this, but down the stretch, they've wilted in the last couple of years. Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson kind of peter off at the end of the year. And so until I see factual evidence, I want to see it from them. I'll be a believer in week 13, 14, and 15 when I see it with my own eyes. But until I see it, I'm not going to buy into the Redskins. So in the wild card, I have the Panthers making the playoffs first. Cam Newton's having an incredible year. He's got a lot of help from his offensive coordinator, North Turner. He looks more precise. He looks more calculated. The Panthers are a playoff team in large part because of Cam Newton. I'm picking the Packers. It came down to the Packers or the Redskins for the final playoff spot. 
And and again, I just I trust the Packers more than I trust the Redskins. I like Aaron Rodgers, even though the Redskins beat the Packers. Here are the six of the last ten games for the Packers. They play the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Lions, the Jets, and the Bears. That's six wins in my opinion. Six, and then if they beat the they play now, they do have two tough games coming up. It's gonna look ugly. I'm picking the Packers now to make the playoffs. The next two weeks are going to be rough. The Packers play the Rams and then the Patriots. They'll be lucky to finish 1-1 one and one coming out of that. They're probably going to go 0-2 oh against the Rams and the Patriots. But after that, the Packers schedule looks highly favorable. I'm picking the, Patri- the Packers to make the playoffs. Again, the 12 teams are this. In the AFC, I have the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Texans, the Chargers, and the Ravens. And in the NFC, I have the Rams, the Saints, the Vikings, the Eagles, the Panthers, and the Green Bay Packers making the playoffs. That is my deadly dozen, my 12 playoff teams. All right. Um, I want to talk about an idea I've been kind of stewing on for a while. I don't think great defense in the NFL matters. I'll repeat it again. Great defense in the NFL does no longer matter. It does not matter. There are three defenses this offseason everybody told me were really, really good. People made a big fuss about. The Bears, the Jaguars, and the Broncos. The Bears are three and three. The Jaguars are three and four. And the Broncos are three and four. I hate to say this, but quarterbacks matter. The Bears, the Jaguars, and the Broncos do not have top-level quarterbacks. It's sad when Mitch Trubisky is the best quarterback I just mentioned in that list. I don't know. I remember when Chip Kelly changed college forever. He said offense is now the new defense. And I think the NFL is kind of going that way as well. Teams that win now have great offenses. They don't worry about defense. Look at the four best records in the NFL. You have the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints. Only one of those teams has an elite defense. The Rams. The Saints, the Chiefs, and the Patriots do not have elite level defenses, but... They have great quarterback play, and they score a lot of points. And if you want to win games in the NFL today, in 2018, you must score a lot of points. Offense is the new defense in the NFL. It's kind of becoming like a college system where you just got to score a lot of points. That great Bears defense, oh, they lost to the Patriots last week because they couldn't stop Tom Brady. Quarterbacks matter far more than having a great defense. Don't build a great defense. Get a great quarterback that can win a bunch of games and then build a solid average defense behind him. That's how you win Super Bowls now and how you make the playoffs. The Bears, the Broncos, and the Jaguars. My prediction is neither of those three teams are going to make the playoffs because their quarterback simply is not good enough. I want to divert your attention to baseball just very briefly. Um, I'm pretty disappointed with the World Series so far. I, uh, and not for the reason you think. Look, I root for drama. I don't care who wins. I want this World Series to go to seven games. Right now, the Red Sox are up two to nothing. And uh, the Dodgers look at times just discombobulated. They've made a lot of mistakes. Made a lot of mistakes in game one. Clayton Kershaw had outpitched. And, uh, I mean, again, game one wasn't awful. Until the seventh inning when that three-run home run was hit by the Red Sox, it was an interesting game. But after that, I checked out. I didn't care. And uh, a game two was fun, good drama. But what I watched was horrifying. In the bottom of the fifth inning, the Dodgers walked in a run. Bases loaded. They couldn't hit the strike zone. The Dodgers walked in a run, tying the game at 2-2. Two to two. It's depressing. It's hard to watch. 
Right now, the Red Sox look like a far better team that's making fewer mistakes, playing cleaner baseball. And, uh, you know, Game 3 is coming on Friday. I think the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. It could be a sweep because they're just playing better, cleaner baseball. Maybe, maybe they wait till Game 5 to win at home. But, or maybe it's Game 6. I think it's Game 6 they play in Boston. But regardless, I'm concerned. I want this World Series to go to seven games, and I don't know if that's going to happen because the Red Sox are simply playing better baseball right now than the Dodgers after two games. Dodgers are having far too many miscues. Missed fielding, letting balls drop, missing, <laughs> missing, <laughs> shut up, missing throws. It's not good, and the Dodgers are simply making too many mistakes. I'm picking the Red Sox to win this series in four or five games. I'm really not encouraged by what I've seen from the Dodgers so far. I do believe the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. That's my take after two games. And uh, frankly, I'm incredibly disappointed because I don't care who wins. I just want the World Series to go to seven games. Okay, we have three topics left I want to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about two fan bases that are panicking first. Um, and we're going to talk about the Browns and then the Lakers. I want to start with the Browns. Right now, the Browns are 2-4-1. And, and they've played in four overtime games, which tells me the Browns are competing their butts off. They're working really, really hard. They're better than their record of two wins, four losses, and a tie. The Browns are better than their record. This is not the only place we've seen this happen in sports recently. Um, I saw a parallel between the Browns and actually Oregon State Volleyball. I have a friend of mine who's an insider. She's a broadcaster for the Pac-12 Network. Went to school here. And uh, she was talking about how Oregon State uh, Volleyball is 0-10 with pa in Pac-12 play. They have not won a single game in the Pac-12. And yet they're better than their record suggests. The problem is that the Oregon State Volleyball team is led by a freshman center. A good freshman center. They're building something, but they're at the beginning stages. I mean, we saw the other day, if you're, I'm not even a volleyball fan. This is what my friend told me. She said that Stanford was challenged by Oregon State, and Oregon State actually won the first set against Stanford in volleyball. And if you don't know, there's like you play a bunch of sets, whoever wins the most sets wins the actual game. Stanford has lost six sets all year. One of them was to Oregon State Volleyball, a considered an 0-10 bad team. But they're better than their record suggests. They're just young and building something. I think it's interesting. Nobody, nobody watching Oregon State Volleyball is calling for the coach to be fired because they understand the situation. They get that Oregon State Volleyball is building a culture around this new freshman center. We're seeing a similar thing happening with the Cleveland Browns. It's rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield. They're building something around Baker. They've played in four overtime games. I know they're 2-4-1, but only one of their games was more than double digits. They got blown out by the Chargers. Every other game the Browns have played in has been by one score. Highly competitive football. They're fighting their butts off for their head coach, Hugh Jackson. I would not fire the Browns head coach, Hugh Jackson. It's interesting. Some fans are saying, well, what about the last three years? It's not just this year, Zach. They went 1-31 in the first two years with Hugh Jackson. <clears throat> I understand. I understand. I understand. The reason why I would not fire Hugh Jackson yet. Look, you can evaluate Hugh Jackson at the end of the year. Fine with me. If at the end of the year he's not cutting it, go ahead, fire him. But right now, is, it's too soon. The Browns are building something. Allow them time to build it and clean it up. And I don't think it's entirely fair to judge Hugh Jackson on the previous two years. He's never had a great quarterback, never had a franchise quarterback. It's hard to judge a coach who doesn't have a quarterback. 
Bill Belichick even got fired from the Cleveland Browns because he didn't have a quarterback. Like, hello? If Bill Belichick got fired by the Browns, there's a trend here. You need a quarterback to win in Cleveland. Judge Hugh Jackson on this year with a quarterback and wait till the end of the year before you make a decision on Hugh Jackson. I think he can coach. I think he's building something in Cleveland. And I would just have patience if I was a Cleveland Browns fan. How about the Lakers? Lakers are 0-3. So right now the LA Lakers are 0-3, and their fan base is totally panicking. I I know friends that live in LA, they're like, Oh no! LeBron isn't good enough! We're not going to be able to build something. Because I have a lot of friends in L.A. And they're just, they're, they're all off their rocker. Tweeting horrible stuff. And Zach, Zach, are you okay? Are you watching what's happened to Lakers? They're 0-3. They lost to the Blazers, the Rockets, and the Spurs. And that's my point next. Is that they lost by nine points to the Blazers. A playoff team. And then they lost by nine points to the Rockets. A playoff team. A team that almost beat the Warriors. And then they lost to the Spurs, a playoff team by one point. Is that exciting? No, you want to see the Lakers go 3-0, beat three playoff teams. Of course. But we're three games into the year, and remember, this is a new team that's never played with LeBron before. If you're a Lakers fan, deep breaths, relax, it's fine. Don't even wait till, so I would say wait till April. Wait till April before you're willing to say that LeBron is failing in L.A. If in April they're not on track to make the playoffs, then fine. Go ahead. But in November, December, January, February, March, I don't want to hear it. He's going to struggle. He takes January off like every year. And I think he'll have a lot of good moments in December, but relax, please, for the love of God. Lakers fans that are panicking about the Lakers' 0-3 start, it's like it's three games. And it's the first three games this team has played ever with LeBron James. They're learning. They're figuring things out. Oh, yeah, and they got players ejected. They're missing Rajon Rondo and Brandon Ingram. Please, for the love of God, if you're a Laker fan, do not overreact to the Lakers starting 0-3. If they start 0-9, I'll get concerned. But if they're 0-5, 0-6, it's all good. You got LeBron. Come back to me in April. If in April you're not on track to make the playoffs, then I will listen to you and I will consider what you have to say. And you might even be right if you say, man, this LeBron thing in L.A. really isn't working. The Lakers aren't even on track to make the playoffs. And it's April. But again, November, December, January, February, March, I don't want to hear it. Do not come to me saying the Lakers are in trouble. Give them some time to build something. Fan bases are so, so impatient. They have no vision. They have no foresight. They lack patience. If you're a Lakers fan and you're mad the Lakers were 0-3, I get it. I'm not happy. If I was a Lakers fan, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm so glad our team lost to those three teams. But it's three losses. Take a deep breath, relax, and give the Lakers until April. All right, last thing I want to talk about. On Thursday Night Football tomorrow, the Dolphins play the Texans. Again, I'll repeat that. On Thursday Night Football, the Dolphins play the Texans. I'm picking the Dolphins to win. This is very simple. Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill is out with an injury. Uh, they're like, I saw a headline this week. He's finally throwing. Yeah. Really? It's come to that? I, I don't know that the Dolphins should even give a lot much more time to Ryan Tannehill. That guy's always, always injured. Um, 
here's the thing. I'm not going to pick Blake. Well, I'm not going to pick Brock Osweiler to win a football game. There's no way I would pick the Miami Dolphins to win this game against the Texans. But I do give the Dolphins a chance. I think it's going to be a competitive game. Uh, I'd be surprised, like maybe pleasantly, not not shocked. But I wouldn't be. I'm not expecting this game to be the Texans winning by 40 points. I think the Texans and the Dolphins, it's an interesting team, an interesting game. Two teams that are potentially playoff teams. I don't know if the Dolphins will ever figure it out. But the bottom line is this. I'm picking Deshaun Watson over Brock Osweiler. No way in hell am I going to predict Brock Osweiler to win a football game. I'm sorry, Brock. I've never seen anything from you that's encouraging. And uh, so I'm picking the Texans to win on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and it'd be a big win for the Texans. Texans are 4-3. and three. They've won four games in a row. To go to 5-3, and three, be even more secure the top of the AFC South. It'd be a big win. I'm picking the Texans to win on Thursday Night Football. All right, guys, that's all I have. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really tremendously appreciate you guys. Um, I'm sorry if anyone's offended at me because I said that Dwayne Haskins is the, <laughs> the uh, Heisman Trophy favorite. Look, I'm joking. I, I don't really care. I, uh, I've gotten a lot. Of, I've gotten death threats before. These comments are nothing. They're 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 very nice. Um, I mean, they're not nice, but they're not um, they're not as bad as I've gotten in the past. I'm fine. Thank you for. I've gotten a lot of concern actually from people. I've had people message me on Instagram saying, "Zach, are you okay? I saw that video's blowing up. People are mad about it." Look again. I put out like 40 videos a week. We're good. It's fine. I'm gonna get it out of my mind. I'm not gonna talk about it or think about it again for the rest of the week. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. Remember. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schallmer. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done. Bye.